from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex podcast episode of the day. Was it Harry or Frank? Let's see. Wait, no, hold on. Harvey. Harvey, damn it. Harvey. That's right. How's Harvey doing? He's a good boy. He's doing great. He's, he's made, he loves having me home every day. I don't know how he's going to deal with me going back to work. All right. He loves, he... he loves me and being here. Don't you love me here? I can no. do this to you. <laughs> <laughs> Is he still the director of marketing? It's still the director of marketing. Yes. 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 <laughs> um, well, yeah. Let's dive right in and, and take sure, it wherever man. you want to go. I'm, I'm an open book. First thing is, what's going on with Colin? Like the per, like, last time we talked, I, w- I was listening to the, uh, the, the, you know, the show when you were on previously, and I like, man, I didn't, I didn't get into the personal stuff enough with him. I mean, I know, I know, I, I know, I know. One of your your hobbies is obviously working out and staying in shape because you're a good looking, in shape guy. <laughs> so you know, thanks, man. You know, I, 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 and I appreciate it. So are we, are we rolling on? I, I, I we're, we're, yeah, rolling. Yeah, so. we're rolling. Um, we're rolling. Your biceps are about as big as my chest, by the way. Tell, what, what are you doing over there? With this, with I don't think work? they show up on screen, do they? Look at that. Chest. Look at that. Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I, my girlfriend doesn't let me work out biceps anymore. She says that it's enough. It's, you know, I, so I, I basically, um, and if you want to get off there, I, in 2020, so, so let's see. So it's March 2nd as we're recording this, right? For people, for context, people listening. Uh, I third. took the I, March 3rd, is it? Oh my God. I'm, I'm terrible with time. March 3rd. Thank you. And so I took a team fully remote in uh, on a March 11th of last year. Uh, and I think that was like the day after Tom Hanks got the virus and yeah. um, the NBA shut down. And I just remember a year ago, all hell was breaking loose. And me personally, um, you know, that that was about a month, one month before my then girlfriend uh, broke up with me because, you know, no hard feelings. Frankly, she, she couldn't take the stress of, you know, being with someone who is uh, stewarding a business through the through the pandemic, you know, like she she had her own stress. And so that was kind of a, a watershed moment for me where like I kind of like retreated back into my shell a little bit i focused i stayed head down in the company i said okay i have to get smg through this you know we it was a it was crazy time in march of last year our sales dropped 30 percent. we had a half million dollar line of credit pulled um you know we were uh our our supply chain shut down on on march 24th uh because india shut down um as you know logistics were an absolute nightmare amazon stopped taking fba inventory for non-essential goods uh, the stock market crashed 35% in a week. It was total, total shambles. And, um, <laughs> you know, what we, what, what, you know, we ended up doing that I think was the very first positive move for me to get my mind right was we donated 20% of our sales for 30 days to uh, the Colorado COVID-19 emergency relief fund. And that really gave everybody on the team something to kind of rally around, right? I told, I promised everybody we're going to have no layoffs. We're going to, we're going to get through this. And we ended up donating $40,000 to COVID-19 relief in the state of Colorado over those 30 days. That was a really galvanizing moment for us. And that ended up being one of the best decisions I ever made because it ended up getting us a lot of press and attention and other things that I really wasn't considering. We didn't really put it out there aside from a blog post. And, um, and you know, Amazon caught wind of it and they did a bunch of PR with us. We ended up going on Good Morning America in November, uh, partially because they caught wind of that and they really liked the positivity and the story behind that. 
um, and wanted to feature us as their small business segment. Um, and so 2020 ended up being a great year for me personally, because after that March, April timeframe, which was really, I started going to therapy every week. I, you know, I needed to go to someone who understood the stresses of a CEO, um, which is very rare to find a therapist who can kind of feel it, deal with that. Found a great guy. Uh, if anybody needs a recommendation, went to him every week, then every two weeks, then every month. And now I see him every quarter. Um, but that was really impactful for me to get my head right in that time. And I'm very lucky, you know, sheets and giggles. We give, we all have 150 bucks a month for the physical or mental health. Ah, nice. And um, yeah, and so it was, uh, I, I ended up uh, through 2020, me personally, it was, I, you know, I hate saying this because so many people lost loved ones, so many people had got laid off or, or had horrific years, uh, stressful years, say, broken sanity, mm-hmm. whatever it is, 14 million without insurance, because um, employment is tied to healthcare for some goddamn reason. Um, I, uh, I, I had the best year of my life. I, I, you know, I, I lost 25 pounds. I, uh, married, I was my best friend's, uh, best man. Uh, I just officiated one of my other best friend's weddings last month. Um, my, the Miami Marlins made the playoffs for the first time since I was 13. That's right. You're from, uh, Fort, you're from Fort Lauderdale. You're from Fort Lauderdale, yeah, just for the listeners. That's right. Yep. The, Miami, the Miami Heat made the NBA Finals, um, which is a very improbable run that was fairly lucrative for me on DraftKings. Nice. Uh, I, yeah, I, um, you know, I met a, a wonderful woman uh, named Madison, who uh, I've been dating for about six months now. And um, she is uh, just terrific. And, and she also happens to be a realtor. Uh, so I bought my first house uh, and I move in <laughs> next week. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, I, I, aside from not seeing my family very much and the isolation um, in general, uh, it's, it's been a, for me personally, a really transformative 12 months. And so that's kind of where I'm at in terms of me, the person I turned 30 last year and, and I, I feel better than I have um, in a lot of years. Not ever. Damn, you're, you you just not turned 30. Hell, my oldest son is 30. I'm feeling pretty old right now. <laughs> how did you how did you meet a new girl in the middle of COVID? How did that how'd you do that? that tell me about it. Uh the COVID dating scene was not the hottest. Um <laughs> it was uh it was pretty dead for a while. Uh right? that, I'll tell you what, man. I, I thought of I wrote the intro to a medium article, I think four or five times about breakups and breakdowns during mm-hmm. COVID. Because April, that April 2020 timeframe was like in or out for pretty much every relationship. And I, I saw more engagements last year than I've ever seen in my life. Uh, also probably a function of being 30 years old. Um, and I saw more breakups than I've ever seen in my mm. life amongst my friend group. And I think that, um, you know, people, it was a really hard time to be single and newly single oh, because oh, yeah. oh, you couldn't, yeah, yeah, you could, you, you couldn't go on dates. You couldn't yeah. go out to a bar. You couldn't have a beer with your buddies, the healthier yeah. stuff. I couldn't, I couldn't go to yoga to get my mind right. I couldn't, yeah. um, you know, I couldn't see my best friends. I couldn't see my family. Uh, I, I, you know, you're, you're inside the whole time. You can't go outside and get some sunshine. Um, and it was, it was, it was, that was a scary yeah. moment. Yeah, it was a tough moment. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that the people going through breakups in April deserve some type of, yeah. um, <laughs> some type of free therapy seriously seriously uh, if you, yeah, if you were yeah yeah, yeah yeah if you're alone if you were alone 
what you know and especially if you just broke up with somebody which is yeah. super emotional and you were alone in like you know april may of last year whoo man that's a tough no wonder no wonder you had to sign up for therapy <laughs> yeah it was tough it was tough and i my couple neighbors down the hall who were total godsend for me um they ended up breaking up unfortunately loved them both um and uh you know i think that the in terms of how i met a girl it was actually it was interesting it was via um it was at last day of June or the end of June. Right. Um, people had started to poke their heads out a little bit. That was kind of after the, you know, six week shutdown. And it yeah. was, things were opening up a little bit. It was a summer. Bit, people yeah. going, I, I went camping for my birthday and with okay. some friends. And that was so nice to be outside with 15 right. people around a campfire, you know, still feeling like guilty, unsure what's going on <laughs> with all this. <laughs> and then I met her, I met her about a few weeks later uh, at, at the end of June at a barbecue. A friend of mine had a rooftop okay. barbecue. He invited uh, five or six people, and um, she was one of the people that was there. And uh, she has a sustainability podcast. Actually, it's kind of funny. Her oh. her name's uh, her name's Madison Hopkins. She's like moving with Madison on Instagram, and yeah. she uh, I say she did this as an excuse to to get my number. But uh, I just tease her at that. She said, "She said, oh, by the way, your company sounds awesome." As I was leaving, she was like, "I have a sustainability podcast uh, for sustainability and home living. Would you want to be on the podcast?" I said, "Sure." So I got. She gave me took my number, and then we went out for a drink before the podcast to kind of she get to know me a little bit. And it was on that that first date that I had. To, I was like three hours in. I had to ask the question. I said, "I'm." I said, "Look, are we on a date?" And I said, "Because if we're on a date, I was like, that's great. That's fine. I'm like I." happy to be on a date and i'm like but if we're not i don't want to say anything or like do anything like that's the wrong move or whatever it is and i said or you know if you want to be professional and personal i can walk and chew bubble gum at the same time and and she kind of <laughs> i remember she thought about it and she goes i can walk and chew bubble gum and i was like all right and so and so then you know she interviewed me for her podcast we went on date number two and and the rest is history from there so did you guys move is she uh, living with you now did you guys move in did you buy the no, house no together? no we're not we're, no i bought the house uh she was my agent uh but no i'm not moving in with her i uh not yet <laughs> not that yet so yeah still a little too soon but um now when you, you know, were when you yeah. were at the when you were at the rooftop were you like okay were you like okay yeah i think i, I feel something there's something there i feel the vibe I think every every guy at the barbecue was like who didn't know her was like what's going on what's going on with her she's I mean she's very beautiful she's she's all, she's terrific she's um I'm really really falling for her and so it's been I'll tell you what man I, I I have not been happier than I am right now in a long time so I appreciate you asking me personally it's definitely you know it it's hard to it's hard to manage a company when you're when your mind's not right and and I was like uh you know 12 months ago I was in a really bad place and. And then the last, you know, six to eight months, I've been in a really good place. And um, it's uh, it's definitely, I think, uh, something I've had to learn. I used to, it was funny when I was a kid, I was so critical of baseball players who were having trouble like off the field. I used to say like, you know, don't let the off field stuff affect the on field stuff, keep them separate. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and and they're so intertwined and, yes. and I love it. I like it when my investors and other, my you know, my employees, they ask me, how, how are you doing personally? That sort of thing. And I started to do that more. I didn't, I didn't used to do that because I didn't, I didn't like intertwining the personal and professional. I thought that there should be a, a delineation there. And I didn't want, you know, to get too familiar with my, my team um, just in case they didn't want that intrusion into their personal lives. Um, but I think that especially the last year, people want the phone call. How are you doing? They, you know, they want the, the, mm. I sent my teammates notes and gifts and stuff. And um, 
you know, I, I my, we've had people who have gotten surgeries and people who have lost loved ones um, and, uh, you know, gifts and care packages go, go a really long way. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's, I'd say it's been a, one of the most challenging years, if not, I think for everybody. So it's, it's been a very rewarding year though, personally for me, at least. What were your thoughts on, uh, I don't know how deep you want to go on this, but, uh, what, what were your thoughts on how COVID affected business as a business owner? What, what were your thoughts when you saw some businesses being forced to, to shut down and, and, and things like this, these guys are faced with, guys, you know, what, what were your thoughts? I mean, how, how did you react to that as an, what's your, owner? what's your, what's your listenership number again? I got to figure out how honest I want to be. I, uh, <laughs> I, um, I, uh, <laughs> I so love my, when I, so I'm, I love I'm, when I'm, I ask this. When I ask this I'm question, quote, everybody, I'm quoted, in, I'm quoted in a CBS article about, about the, the, payroll protection program of ppp okay. and my opinion is stated very strongly there in april of last year which what is, was it uh it, something along the lines of it's been a total disaster total debacle i i can't believe that this is how they set it up that this you know what you know it's well documented what the banks were doing was they were they were processing all the larger loans first all the smaller loans second uh, mm-hmm. I know friends who have restaurants and hairstylists and salons and, um, you know, companies in the travel industry, wedding industry that went poof overnight and needed yep. that. And yep. they couldn't get their application processed for 30 or 60 days. Some of them never even got it. Some of them gave up on it because they said, I don't, I don't have a CFO. I don't have the resources for this. I don't have the time for this. Mm-hmm. And so, and, you know, then you see Auto Nation or Auto Trader, whichever one it was, I can't remember, get 10 million bucks and the Lakers and you know, Ruth, Chris, and we, we got a PPP loan. And, you know, like I said, we had a lot of uncertainty, sales down, supply chain shut down. Um, you know, we had uh, credit lines pulled. Um, a lot of stuff was crazy. And so the, the, it's frustrating because the program itself, I thought was a very noble program and in an interesting uh, thing for the government to do. And I thought it was like a very good program in principle. We got a small, you know, a small PPP loan. And, um, and for people who needed 50,000 bucks, 80,000 bucks, a hundred thousand bucks, um, I think it's a wonderful thing. And, and, and it was exactly what was needed. I just don't think it was executed even remotely, uh, uh, appropriately. And I think, mm-hmm. and I think that the round two is also very, very poorly thought out, frankly, because our revenues for Q4 were up from 2019, but our bottom line was down partially because the cost of logistics has skyrocketed during mm-hmm. COVID for an e-commerce business. So mm-hmm. even though our natural growth curve as a third year startup is, you know, our Q4 revenue numbers are higher than Q4 of 2019, it doesn't mean that the health of the business is any better from a bottom line perspective. And so um, from the, in- the increase in freight and logistics, um, the, you know, the out of stock periods from production stoppages, the lost sales due to having no inventory. Like I, you know, I would have uh, very much appreciated a second option for assistance and didn't get it. And that's okay. There are people who needed it more than us. Um, and so I thought that overall it was just, um, yeah, the, the program is, so that's where the first place my mind goes to in terms of what I thought in general. Um, it's total disaster for, for the country. Right. I mean, most other countries chose, they had the, they had the ability to do, all right, we're going to shut down the economy and get the virus under control. Um, and there's going to be economic hardship and we'll pay you a monthly stipend for that. 
and or um, in the case of Sweden and other countries, we're going to stay open and we're going to have no economic hardship and we're kind of going to let the virus take its course and have herd immunity in our population. Which one should and, we have done? Which one should well, we have done? We, we chose <laughs> We chose the worst of both worlds. We we decided we decided the, uh, every other country was like, all right, we'll pick our poison. And the United States was like, let's have all the poison. And so and so the U, you know the U.S. was like, um, you know, oh yeah, we'll do we'll take the fourteen the, or the thirty million laid off, and the you know we have a for profit privatized healthcare system, so twenty million lost their healthcare insurance in the middle of a pandemic, like you know, and oh like uh, and. And it's so funny, instead of instead of grappling with all the, and, you know, I don't even know what the percentage of small business closures are now, but I think it's something like one in three small business permanently closed in the U.S., which is absolutely insane. And, um, you know, it, it, it seems like uh, we haven't had the wherewithal or the capability to have these tough conversations societally and politically uh, in, a, in an election year, nonetheless, which is really crazy to me about um, why employment is tied to healthcare mm-hmm. or about why there's mm-hmm. no basic safety net for people who lose their jobs in, in emergencies or why uh, you know we have to fight for uh, extra un- unemployment insurance um, and why people can make the connection between, oh, people are making more money on the unemployment than they are working, but not the connection between, does that mean they're not getting paid enough for the labor that they're doing? And so there's all, you know, there, there was a lot of frustrating parts of it for me. Um, the, the economic hardship, the business closures, um, those broke my heart. I mean, the deaths, yeah. the half million debt yeah, is one thing. Super is sad. It, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Time, I, had friend, yeah. I have friends, I have friends that own, that own restaurants. I, 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 and, and like you said, some people that own salons and things. And yeah, that's, I, you I know, mean, I, had it, some super, it, I had some very emotional conversations with these people that said, Hey man, I'm looking across the street at Target and they can, they can be open and I can't. And this, this fucking sucks. You know, like it, it, it didn't make any sense. None of it made any sense. I mean, you look, you look, and it's frustrating because, you know, my, for example, my mom um, is on the opposite side of this stuff politically for me. I still love her. We don't, I don't like, I can't stand the whole like people on Twitter, like roasting their families or whatever on Instagram. I think that family is <laughs> more important than politics, but you know, like my, my mom and I are on the opposite side of some of this stuff. And it's funny because we both think that we're right. Right. Whereas, you know, I, I, and, and frankly, we both are, because again, if you pick your poison, if my mom had been able to wave a magic wand and say, no, everything's going to be open. The, the virus isn't that big of a deal. So on and so forth. I'm really, I don't hate my mom people. She's, she's a very smart <laughs> woman and has, has great opinions about a lot of things. Um, you know, that would have been a better path than the path that we, went down and if and if i had you know my magic wand and i had been able to pay people two thousand dollars a month and you know compensate businesses for the loss of business and state evictions and you know kept people in their homes for eight weeks and had multiple cycles of the virus and controlled the spread that would have been a better path than the path that we went down and Mm -hmm. instead we had this weird hybrid that didn't decentralize solution that ended up um really i think costing a lot of people their lives and their livelihoods and so in terms of what i think about it i think it's been a disaster for the country i think that the stock market isn't a reflection of reality and i'm just completely blown away that dow jones keeps hitting new record highs every day um the quantitative easing is off the charts the amount of money that the government has for um that but not for you know gave people twenty six hundred dollars to for 12 months 
Like, <laughs> I think the whole thing is crazy. I think it's all. I think. Are, it's, are I you think it's, uh, it's, are you getting vaccinated? Are you, are you getting shots or what? What are your thoughts? Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. I don't. Are I you mean, gonna... the, I'm not. I'm my. You know, my family is not the the biggest on the vaccination. So what happens um, when your mom when your mom wants to come see you? if your mom doesn't get vaccinated? She wants to come to your house and stay for a week. What happens? Oh, I don't, I don't, you know, me, it, it's interesting. My perspective on it is that, uh, and I think some people will give me shit about this, but I, I don't think that um, this stuff is, is worth not seeing your family and it's, and it's worth um, the mental hardship of, and the emotional hardship of being isolated and alone. At this point, we're 12 months into it. Everybody knows the risks. Um, and, you know, if my family and I decide that it's, it's worth the risk to see one another, then we will. So I don't, I don't really mind that. I'm not, I don't have any health conditions I need to be concerned about. I'm more concerned for her in terms of me potentially giving it to her, gotcha. but, um, you know, that's her call. If she wants to see her son. So, one more, yeah. one more COVID question. Then we'll get into your, get into some business. Cause we can talk yeah. about COVID. COVID no, it's, it's, it's dominated the conversation for two or three months. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> one more yeah. quick question. Kind of a funny one. Should we be wearing a mask to walk 10 feet from the front door of the restaurant to the table? dude that's the funniest thing that all the, all this stuff all this stuff is so it just belies it belies how little people and and at the highest levels of the country at the lowest levels of the country it belies how little people know about about um the virus and how it spreads and you know what's good and what's bad i i it's everybody in denver outdoor dining only right so what do they do they have all these tents that are that are baked outdoor indoor and it's like and so i think that human beings naturally gravitate towards cya policies cover your ass policies um and i think that politicians are are no different and so in two years when they run for re-election they want to be able to point to what they did and say my actions saved lives it was the best we could do at the time it was it was all we knew it was the only thing in front of us there's so and so forth they're all looking for cya stuff I think that, you know, there are some people who care more than others. I think it's obvious who cares more than others. Um, I think that the authenticity is something that people can sense in 2021. Um, And I think the inauthenticity is something else that people can sense. I think, um, you know, it was wrong for certain mayors to travel uh, and leave their cities (laughs) when doing lockdown orders. And I think that it was a bonehead move for Ted Cruz to fly to Cancun two weeks ago in the middle of the worst (laughs) disaster in texas in quite a while so you know i i I don't know i i get like really into the politics of everything one thing so in terms of what the policies i think that they're just cya stuff and and they don't really do what now i will say masks are better than no masks right like i mean you're gonna stop something um you know the going into staying outdoors is better than being indoors like there's some 80 20 stuff and I'm a big proponent of 80, 20, uh, and, in, in everything in business and my personal life. Um, and so I would, I would like to see a lot of 80, 20 stuff implemented where, you know, there's no sporting events or, you know, crowded bars or, uh, large, large indoor gatherings, that sort of thing. Um, but there are, you know, res- like restaurants can have people inside and eat inside and they can have tables within five feet of each other and, you know, so on and so forth. I think that that's, I think that if you're not going to comp, long story short, if you're not going to compensate people for voluntarily shutting down and staying in, um, then you can't expect them to, and you shouldn't ask them to. Mm-hmm. And so, so you got to one, one of either. 
Well, thanks for sure. These politicians, they're sure as hell not going to come out six months from now and say, yeah, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done that. You're not going to hear that. No, <laughs> never, never, ever. You'll never, you'll never, ever hear that. Never. And sorry, Har- Har- my dog Harvey is being total nut right What's now. going on? Harvey, tell it, Harvey, tell us what's going on at S&G. I want to know what the latest is with Sheets and Giggles. I, th- I saw this new throw blanket. Give me, give me an update. Seriously, Colin, go for it. Tell us what's new. So, so uh, Harvey is our VP of marketing, so he can tell you all about uh, all of our new products because uh, he's our number one product tester for all of them. Um, and, uh, and so he, so basically we've come out since we last spoke, uh, we've come out with, uh, I think we had comforters at that point, come out with this brand new heavy throw blanket, super wonderful, hundred uh, percent eucalyptus lyocell. Um, and it is just to die for. We got four colors of it. It's my favorite thing that we've made in quite a while besides the sheets. Nice. Um, perfect for the couch, perfect for the winter. Uh, we got a few things on the horizon. Uh, right now, we're still with the sheets, sheets, duvet covers, comforters. Uh, everything's eucalyptus lyocell. cell. Um, so still, you know, very much focused on sustainability. Uh, we have done plastic-free packaging for 15 months now. Um, okay. And that's saved probably about 50,000 pieces of uh, plastic. Uh, right. we, also, we also moved our box to a sturdier uh, recyclable. It was already recyclable, but a recyclable cardboard box. Um, that's more sturdy through the mail so we can slap a label right on it in the warehouse. And we get some customers sometimes who say, my box is all scratched up and beat up because FedEx and UPS have no regard for beautiful packaging. Um, <laughs> but it saves a corrugated cardboard box on the outside. You, you, know, you buy something online and everybody is buying stuff online now. And you see all the, uh, you know, all the packages come in, the two boxes, right? The internal box and the external corrugated box. I think that's so wasteful. So we've just been very focused on sustainability in our packaging, sustainability in our carbon footprint uh, and our products. And um, we have just grown tremendously. Yeah. Uh, I think when we last spoke, uh, we've 5X since then. And um, nice. Nice. Yeah, we, nice. Can you yeah. tell us, can you tell us what you're going to do in volume in 2021? What the goal is? You can't show that number. The goal is uh, 100,000 pieces moved um, for the year for the year for the year for the year yeah which is probably which based on average order size is probably like uh probably like seventy thousand customers and that um, versus versus 2020 what would 100,000 pieces in 2021 versus what'd you do in 2020 uh it'll be about a it'll be a it'll be about two to two and a half x growth Okay. Wow. So, Congratulations. Yeah. So, so, so we've, we've now been in business for three years, 2018. It was just me in a bathrobe. 2019, it was me and three people. 2020, it's me and, you know, uh, eight full-timers and 20 part-timers and Ooh, what's more, contributing? more, what's, what's contributing. Is it the awesome marketing? Is it the awesome personality <laughs> of the CEO? Is it, is it, what's going on with that? How are you doing? I don't know. I, I, you know, I don't think about it too much. I don't, I honestly, like I, there's, you get to a certain point where you stop having the luxury and I miss this and, and it's actually something I need to get back in my life. That's why I hired an executive assistant recently. Who's been absolutely life-changing. Nice. Um, but uh, I miss the, the, the luxury of the creative time. I miss the, you know, I miss the, what, what is working? What isn't working? What, like, what do customers have to say? And so we actually, our, our VP of marketing resigned uh, two months ago, um, uh, a little suddenly. Um, she, uh, you know, had other life priorities that she wanted to chase. Uh, nonprofits were calling her and, you know, we wish her all the best. 
So I've had a little uh, CEO takeover of um, the marketing lead role in the last couple of months. And it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's also just a fundamentally different role than I hired her into 18 months ago. So it was good for me to kind of get that reset in terms of like what the role currently is, is gotcha. looking like. Um, and so it was really great for me the last couple of months. I realized a lot more about the job uh, in its current form uh, than I realized when I was managing it, managing her, I should say. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think the, the, um, the, you know, January was our best month ever. So it was good to see that we didn't slow down, uh, despite that departure. Um, and I think, yeah. And I think that you just get to a certain size, like I was going to say, you get to a certain size where you, you're just constantly solving problems nonstop. You're not, you're not doing that more creative work and that more creative energy, like in the question asking. And so the last two months I've gotten to get back into that. I've emailed, I think like 500 customers personally. And I've asked them, why didn't they buy? Why'd they buy? Why didn't they buy? I've gotten all that qualitative feedback yeah. and, and, I, and that's been really helpful for me to, to dive in and, and take a 30,000 foot look at the brand. Um, and what now, people you know, say, good. well, you know, in, you know, when you, you, when you need to find that new VP of marketing, I know this really cool recruiting firm called Riderflex. If you need to like, uh, I hear they're pretty expensive. <laughs> uh, I hear I, I take a pretty hefty fee from that starting salary. <laughs> This, um, it's, no, it's, the, it's the podcast guest discount for you, my friend. No, you know, you, you know, I used to be a recruiter, so I, I, yeah, I, I totally know. get that. I, I, I would actually, I should talk after the show. Um, but so, uh, so yeah, so basically what people are telling me is it's really heartwarming to hear they're, they're so 35% of people say they're looking for cooling, breathable, oh. uh, bedding, yeah. uh, 20, 20, 25% of people say they're looking for the most sustainable bedding option. Uh, so we're really getting good feedback there. And then about 10% of people say the brand, they just made them laugh. They figured why not, why not? So between, you know, 75% of our, our customers uh, were really hitting uh, those three things, the, the sustainability, the coolness, and the inanity of the Sheets and Giggles brand. And that's Very perfect. Nice. So, and, nice. you know, it's all spread out amongst a bunch of other stuff. I got resume advice from the CEO on Reddit or, mm. you know, mm. I, I, uh, there's a really good free, good free resume guide for anyone listening, by the way, on Reddit, if you Google sheets and giggles resume. Um, and, uh, and, you know, other people say, I found you on good morning America, or I read an article about you or 20% of people actually find us via Google search, which, which is really cool. Um, have you had any, and, have you had anybody from the cotton industry, like try to assassinate you or anything? Not yet. <laughs> uh, we had, you know, it's funny. We get people, we get people on, on our Instagram, our Instagram and Facebook guides who, are very passionate about cotton. They're like, I love my cotton sheets. I've used cotton my whole life. It's like, dude, it's just a crop. Like, relax. Like, it's you know, like all we're saying, all we're saying is that it uses neonicotinoids, which are killing bird and bee populations. And you're like, people will defend anything online. If you take, oh, if you no take doubt. a stance, any stance, a, any just stance. a stance, anything, you are immediately inviting the op- the opposite viewpoint. And the, and sometimes oh, I don't even think I don't even think people hold that viewpoint until you take that stance and then they realize I, I care about that. I care about this in the opposite direction and then they and then they'll just jump on it and so it's it's really an interesting online environment to navigate by the right way now. by the way should should companies and CEOs speak out on things like, like I, I feel this trend I, I don't remember seeing this before but over the last year maybe two years it's like all these companies and CEOs feel like they have to say, I like blue versus green and, 
and I have to like, pick uh, a side on all these topics and I got to, okay, I'm going to speak out against this or that. I'm like, okay, do we all have to like give our opinions on everything now? Is that the world we're living in? What are your thoughts there? I think it's a, so it's a great question. Uh, and a, a man, I can't stand it when people do things unnecessarily. I can't stand that people do things unauthentic, inauthentically. Right. Right. I think that it, I think that if someone is being authentic, like if a CEO of a company says, to their team, hey guys, I want to get more political. I, I want to get more vocal. I think that it's a good business tool for the company. And I also think that it's something that I'm passionate about and has a conversation with people internally and says, are you guys comfortable with this? And the team says, yeah, we're comfortable with that. Or, or people, people, hopefully you have a diverse network of opinions within your company. And we do, we've got conservatives, independents and progressives who work, who work at this company. And, you know, that being said, the sustainable pun-based betting brand from Denver does lean a little bit to the left. Shocker. Um, and so, you know, like, I, I think that uh, if you're being authentic and it's something that you feel compelled to do, go for it. Uh, you know, there's a guy on Twitter named Dan Price, who's a CEO of a company in Seattle that's uh, very vocal, uh, that I enjoy following uh, on the left. There are CEOs on the right who are very vocal, that I think are well-spoken. Um, and I, I, I think it's, it's all about authenticity. So I'll, I'll kind of leave it that a little bit. I will say that, um, me personally, uh, I remember working at companies where I had the CEO's political views impressed upon me because they were very adamant about it and very vocal about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it made me uncomfortable, especially when I disagree with what they had to say. And so as someone who stewards a team of, you know, a couple dozen people, um, I don't think that it's appropriate for me to be overly political in terms of what I believe, because I think that it's, or, you know, or with regards to religion or, um, whatever. you know, yeah. personal, personal opinions about their lives, whatever. Um, and so I want people to feel happy working for me, comfortable working for me, proud of the work we do. And I think it's really wonderful that we've got, you know, conservatives, independents and progressives all working at SNG who have donated collectively 40 grand to COVID relief, who have donated tens of thousands of trees planted in areas in the U.S. that need reforestation, um, who, you know, make sustainable products uh, and who make the world a better place. Uh, we've donated sheets at the homeless shelters. Like we do a lot. And, and everyone on the team has a lot of empathy for other people. And I think that empathy is not very political. Um, and that's mm. kind of where, where we come down on it. Now we did love, make some political, we did make some political posts in January, um, in broad support of representative democracy, which I didn't think was a very controversial, uh, stance. Uh, and, uh, that we stepped in it a little bit. I think 80% of our, 80% of our audience was like right on like, hell yeah. Uh, and 20% was like, this makes me feel upset and uncomfortable. And yeah. we had to navigate that a little bit. And we poke fun at ourselves in the comments too, you know, like people, people called us Marxist, which is kind of funny because we're a for-profit C-Corp based in Delaware. Uh, and uh, people love throwing around terms they don't understand. Uh, they, they were like, they were like, well, what brand of sheets do, do Marxists use? Because that's, that's you guys. And <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, you know, I was, I was running the comments that day. My team said, look, you can get political, but you're running the comments. And I said, okay. And I, and so I, re I just like, popped into my head and I just go probably sheets and sickles. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it was just like, you know, you know, if you can't like do satire and make fun of, you know, other people and you can't make fun of yourself, then you shouldn't be doing it. So we, so you know, we had a good time. 
two summaries, two, two, two summaries right there. I think are really great that I want to just clarify before I ask you the next thing. Yeah. Number one, be authentic. What, what really pisses me off is the bandwagon. Like, okay, yeah, we're going to, yeah, we're going to say that too. And like, you never even, like, you, what are you talking about? You never even talked about that for years and years. And like, all of a sudden you're going to like put that on your website. Cause it's the you see, or, you see or, or, Oreo, Oreo the other day tweeted out like trans people exist, which like, look, it's a, it's a it, good statement. It's a great statement. I'm all for it. But the exactly they're Oreo, like what, like I, you know what I mean? It's like, what, like it's like it's a little, and also they have their own like workers' rights stuff in the past that yeah. they. I think yeah. I think that a lot of companies they they think that if they can throw kind of like the shiny, um, yes. sort of performative political to, statement out there, then yeah. they kind of like I think Hasbro did that recently with the potato head thing where they where they said <laughs> it, you know. And I think that that got convoluted a little bit. Apparently it wasn't exactly what they were trying to do. They were just trying to sell more accessories. Um, but you know, like the, they put out the gender neutral potato head or whatever. And, um, and then people in the comments were like, I mean, are you going to pay your workers a living wage or like, is this what you're, what you're going to end at? You know what I mean? And so it's, it's kind of, it's kind of bandwagon thing. The the bandwagon stuff gets on my nerves. The, the whole like, Hey, let's get some additional and trust me, there's people doing this. Let's get some additional marketing. Let's get get additional eyeballs on our brand by saying X, Y, and Z like that stuff really gets on my nerves. And then the other thing you said that I just wanted to really uh, compliment was, can't we all just, ha- I mean, it's okay. Like we don't have to be so serious about everything. Everybody doesn't have to get pissed off every time somebody says something. <laughs> I'm interested. I'm interested in, I'm interested mostly in policy discussions. I love, I yeah. love talking about the, the philosophy behind why employment is tied to healthcare, for example, oh, yeah, and what cool. it would, what it would do cool. for recruiting for small business owners. It, I mean, imagine if you could recruit somebody from Google for one of your startup clients and you didn't have to compare benefits. What an incredible advantage that would be for you and your business and your right. client's business mm-hmm. if that person didn't have a two-year-old at home locked into the best healthcare in the United States, which is an artificial barrier to entry, which mm. creates an anti-competitive labor market because somebody's making a decision based on their child's healthcare access instead of their career trajectory and their career path. That is the conversation that I'm interested in having around around healthcare, around Medicare for all, around our for-profit healthcare system. Well, I don't know why, I don't know and, why that's more important than Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and, and it, and it seems, and it seems like everybody else is more interested in, in, you know, anger and ire and, and performative stuff and, and culture war stuff. And, and I don't, I don't really get into that too much. And companies love to take the culture war shots because it's, yeah. it's a, it's an easy way to, to get accolades. And, you know, there is some value in it, you know, especially for Pete, for marginalized groups that, you know, need more support and more vocal support. And so I'm not going to downplay, you know, the potential benefit of, of more and more social acceptance of, of marginalized groups. But at the same time, I think that there's a, there's a performative side of politics that I see a lot of companies engage in that, that bothers me. And then there's, an authentic, more, I think, policy and outcome driven side of politics mm-hmm. that I'm much more interested in. And so that's, you know, I, I get my conservative family members to agree all the time to my progressive um, <laughs> policies because I, I frame them in a way that they help small businesses and they help individual liberties and, and they're on board with that. Would you, would you, um, do you check uh, the social media for candidates before you hire them? Just curious. Uh, no, no, I, I don't, I don't, I, I, you know, um, I, I decide if somebody can do the job, I decide if I like them. Uh, I don't even All run right. a background check. 
right. and so, um, so now yeah. you're you're pretty you're pretty progressive. You you you're you're a Colorado guy. So let me ask you this: you you check the so you happen to see their Facebook and they got a giant like NRA and they're holding like I don't know an automatic weapon on their Facebook page. What are you going to do, Colin? <laughs> uh the uh, we have gun owners on the team uh okay. we, you know, right. i i i got a shotgun for my 10th birthday as well i'm from south florida um right. i you know I'm, okay. i've owned guns my whole life uh i don't right now but um i have and so social um, media you don't you don't base your decisions on that social nah, media no nah, and, and and you know and, and if somebody uh, look if somebody wants to support the nra i would probably tell them that i'm not really in favor of money in politics and they shouldn't support any group that spends millions of dollars lobbying our candidates to not support their constituents. Um, but <laughs> that's my, that's my stance on general lobbying groups in, in general. So it's not really an NRA, NRA stance or a political uh, uh, side issue. It's more of like, uh, I'm, I'm not a big believer in privatized campaign finance or, or lobbying in general. And so, uh, I these are we talk about this stuff at happy hours. And it gets it gets exciting, I, man. I mean, I we know. got we, we have different people on the team for sure. Which is which sure. is great, right? A diversified team is the answer. Yeah. So as long as oh, they I can mean, there's, have, there's, as long as they can have good conversation and just get along without pissing each other off, right? That's the key. Diver, diversity of thought is really important to me. Um, totally. You know, where it and and it comes from uh, geographic representation. It comes from uh, you know demographic representation. And, but it also, frankly, comes from political representation. I think that that's something that's something kind of interesting that that always gets lost a little bit in the in the hiring shuffle is everybody wants diversity of of thought and background. Um, but there's sometimes there can be not a lot of diversity of thought um, or diversity of of political opinion and worldview. Uh, and I think that that's also like a nice fire starter for us internally. Um, and it and it creates a lot of um, you know I mean my my director of product looks at the world very differently than uh, my content marketing manager. Uh, and, and, you know, I look at the world differently than uh, my, my customer service reps and, and so on and so forth. And so uh, when you're dealing with a consumer brand where, you know, we've got tens of thousands of customers and, you know, after this year, we'll have over a hundred thousand customers, um, you know, these are Americans from every city and every, every state. Um, and they're, they're people, we have people from overseas, we have Canadian customers. Um, running a B2C company has given me a master's degree in psychology that like, <laughs> has just been so edifying for me in terms of how the average American thinks and how the average, you know, city dweller thinks or the average rural person thinks. And, um, we it's really been a really interesting edification process for me and so yeah it's, let me yeah. ask you one more question i know we're almost out of time one more topic i just wanted to get your thoughts on really quickly switching gears what's the future of remote work my friend what happens do we just do we stay 100 remote with all these people that all they do is open a laptop for a living and they don't have to touch anything except for the keys on their laptops should they should they stay remote should we go to office buildings what are your thoughts I have no opinion on that because I, because I'm not an expert. So what's the future of it? I don't know. What's the, what do I think about it? I love it. I also hate it because I'm a hardcore extrovert. I am talking to my computer right now. There is no other human being here in this room with me. Um, it's super trippy. I don't, I don't dig it. Um, I, you know, I love whiteboarding. I love just the, the act of erasing a whiteboard and starting fresh and, yeah. getting people to come up, but post the notes on it and argue and discuss and get seven people in a room and brainstorm. 
I miss that. I miss that terribly. And you can, and you can't do it on zoom. You cannot replicate it no matter what people say. So there is a uh, missing link to the remote work. And so S and G specifically will go to a hybrid model that we were really doing. We were already doing that sort of uh, where we were basically uh, saying, we've got an office, you can come into it if you like, if you don't live in Denver, you don't have to obviously. And if you live in Denver, you don't have to come in at all. If you don't want, uh, if I have to ask people to come in, I'll say, Hey, I need you here on Monday. I need you here on Wednesday. They'll come in then. Um, and then we fly all of our out of towners into Denver once a month for an all hands oh, on deck meeting. Okay. And so that's, okay. that's the, that's the future for us. I don't know about the future for everybody else. I will say the net positive of the remote work change for millions of people dramatically outweighs the negative. And I, I think that if you're going from, I mean, think about this, if you're commuting, two hours a day, yeah, right? That, yep. that is, that is one twelfth of your day. That is 8% of your life that you're spending yep. doing. And, and, and not even 8% of your life, but then in terms of your waking hours, two out of your 16 waking hours is 12% of your waking mm. hours. Yeah. And if you're, if you're spending like 12% of your waking hours commuting, I mean, that's, no. That's insane. That's, I mean, what is what is that like? What is it, like forty days a year of your life right. that you're spending in some train or some car? Not, traffic? not to so, mention, yeah. not to mention what it's doing for the, for the planet. <laughs> All right. Oh, I yeah. Mean, we could, I mean, yeah. yeah we could, that's another hour conversation. I, yeah. It's, I, I think I think it's going to be a huge net positive. I think it's completely caused. I mean, I think that's going to be a positive for everybody except for the commercial real estate sector. But like, I, but I think that it's overall, it's been a, it's been a really wonderful sea change and people have, have been able to, to see which jobs can be done remotely, which jobs can't. And, and instead of the argument and the conversation, the debate and the testing about, well, let's see what happens. It's just happened. And then you can kind of be retrospective about it and say, did this work? Did this not? What didn't, what did, and I think it's going to be a huge benefit for so many people. And, and, I, and, and also, frankly, to speak politically one more time, I think it is showing kind of a stark difference in, um, in not just income inequality, but also job inequality, where there's like a class of people who are able to benefit from this. And there's a class of people who are unable to benefit from this. Mm. Um, and, and I think that that's also been very illuminating in terms of who we consider to be essential workers, in-person workers who have to be there. And we're arguing about whether or not a raise from seven bucks to nine bucks an hour is appropriate for some of these people. Um, and I think it's it's a little it's a little gross of a conversation to have when these are the people who have you know put their lives at risk and who have been considered essential, and who also um, you know are the are the ones who can't benefit from the remote work change. And so um, I think I think there's a lot of interesting stuff about the remote work piece, a lot of it. I just thought of 10 more questions I could ask you, but I know we're out of time. <laughs> uh, we'll, do, we'll, do this, we'll do this again sometime. Maybe eventually we'll talk about sheets and giggles instead of, uh, yeah, <laughs> by the I, way, I think, this, I think this is more interesting. I don't like, I talk about the company all day. So this is, this is more fun for me, by the way, sheetsgiggles.com, And you can also look up Colin McIntosh on LinkedIn, of course, and connect with him there. I'm on uh, Clubhouse him, too. Right. Send him a bunch of LinkedIn messages. Colin likes that. He likes to get a bunch of those. <laughs> 